At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. I'm not on staff at Woodside. I'm part of the teaching team. I have my own ministry that focuses a lot on uh, professional sports, especially the Detroit Tigers, where I have the privilege to uh, be their chaplain. And uh, appreciate your prayers for that ministry. God's doing some wonderful things, especially as we kind of come out of the COVID year and uh, the transitions back to a more normal ministry. Uh, we're in a series uh, called Habits and um, uh, Ancient Practices for Today's World. We're taking three weeks to look at some things that uh, were done uh, maybe more so years ago than today and that we should really consider uh, having as values today. Last week, uh, Billy, who I always enjoy being with and appreciate his ministry so much, Billy taught on submission. Uh, next week, he's going to teach on celebration. Uh, today, I'm going to take some time and we're going to talk about uh, praying scripture. You know, many times our interaction with God through the Bible and through prayer become two distinct things. And they're really not intended to be that way. They're really to be integrated together. And we want to see that today from the Word of God. I, I hope you have a Bible with you and bring one each week, whether it's a hard copy or an electronic copy. And I encourage folks, take notes that you can put in your Bible if you have a hard copy, highlight things, underline things, make notes when you get home, and even electronic copies, you can do that now too. So I really encourage you to interact and, and uh, get to know, spend time in, be familiar with, with God's Word. And so today we look at how prayer and Scripture come together. There are 66 books in the Bible. How many in the Old Testament? Anybody? 39 in the Old Testament. How many in the New? 27. And uh, so you have these uh, 66 books. Of the 66 books, uh, all but two tend to have the tone of, thus saith the Lord, or here's what God is saying. Uh, the Gospels, many of the words of Jesus, the Son of God speaking. Uh, and so most of the Bible kind of has the attitude and the tone of, here's what God is saying to me. There are two books in the Bible, though, that really kind of flip it and focus on man and women expressing, expressing themselves to God. Anyone want to venture what those two books are? Psalms is one. So Psalms is one, and that's really the one we're going to kind of look at today. Uh, what is the other one? The book of Job. Uh, read the book of Job, and you'll see a man who's expressing himself to God throughout the book. God answers back, and uh, from Job and from the Psalms, we learn many good ways to express ourselves to God, and we also will learn some things uh, in those two books that we ought to avoid in expressing ourselves to God, because they made mistakes, sometimes as we may make mistakes as well. And so, um, two books that really uh, are what we're talking about today, how do I express myself to God in the right way? How do I pray things 
that would reflect the heart of God. Timothy Keller, a well-known author, uh, has a book, and I encourage you to maybe pick this up. You could use it as a devotional for yourself or your family. The name of the book is entitled, The Songs of Jesus, A Year of Daily Devotions in the Psalms. came out about five years ago, and um, it's not an expensive book. And here are some quotes that Keller gives as he uh, provides an introduction to the Psalms. Let me read a few of these to you. He says this, the Psalms were divinely inspired hymn book for the public worship of God in ancient Israel. And he gives a scriptural reference there for it. He also says this, uh, all theologians and leaders of the church have believed that the Psalms should be used and reused in every Christian's daily private approach to God and in public worship. We are not simply to read the Psalms, we are to be immersed in them so that they profoundly shape how we relate to God. The Psalms are the divinely ordained way to learn devotion to our God. Many of the Psalms, by the way, were uh, acrostics. Uh, in the Hebrew alphabet, uh, if, you, if you read the Psalms in the Hebrew language, uh, the first verse would begin with their letter A, the second verse with their letter B, the third with their letter C. Why do you suppose they did that? So it'd be easier to memorize. Uh, it's likely that Jesus would have had all 150 Psalms memorized. Anyone here want to say you can do that or have done that? Uh, how many have one Psalm? Go to Psalm 117. It's two verses long. That's the one to start with. Um, but uh, how about that, to memorize the entire uh, book of Psalms? Keller also says this, uh, one, uh, one of the ancient church fathers uh, wrote these words, uh, whatever your particular need or trouble, from this same book, the Psalms, you can select uh, a form of words to fit it so that you uh, learn the way to remedy your ill. And then one final quote. Every situation in life is represented in the book of Psalms. Psalms anticipates and trains you for every possible spiritual, social, and emotional condition. They show you uh, what the dangers are, what you should keep in mind, what your attitude should be, how to talk to God about it, and how to get from God the help that you need. And so we're going to look at one particular psalm today, but really the thrust of this message and this habit that we want to be in is, how do I use the book of Psalms to uh, express myself in a relationship with God? If I know Christ is my Savior, uh, He's my Heavenly Father, as we sang about a few moments ago, how do I express that to Him on a daily basis? Psalms is a key book in praying uh, Scripture. As you look at the 150 Psalms, have you ever noticed at the beginning, right before verse 1, in many of the Psalms, there's usually a little phrase. It might say, of David. It might say, a song of ascents. Uh, those, are, those little phrases are called superscriptions. The authors did not uh, initially put them in, but they were put in at a later date by Hebrew scholars and theologians to help us understand the context of why that psalm was written. 
And so there's 150 Psalms. Of the 150 Psalms, uh, all but 34 have a superscription. Some are just a couple words, some are longer. The 34 that do not have a superscription are sometimes referred to as orphan psalms, okay? They just don't have anything there. But even on those psalms, sometimes, based on the text, you can uh, figure out some things about maybe who wrote it or when it was written or why it was written. And it's really important for us to try to understand that uh, as we interact with the book of Psalms. How many um, know the song Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton? A wonderful song came out uh, in uh, 1992. Eric Clapton, one of uh, the greatest guitarists probably uh, of at least my generation, um, uh, had a son named Connor, four years old. And if you don't know the story behind the song Tears in Heaven, uh, you don't understand the song fully. Uh, Eric uh, Clapton was in New York City. He and his wife were separated. Connor was with uh, his mom, Eric's wife, uh, on the 53rd floor in an apartment building uh, on a morning. And Eric Clapton was making his way over to that apartment building to pick up his son and uh, go to the zoo for the day. And uh, right before he left to go over there, he got a phone call. And Connor, that four-year-old boy, had been running around the apartment. Uh, a maintenance person had been in that apartment, left a window opened. And uh, Connor went through that window and fell 53 floors to his death. And Eric Clapton had to make that walk from his hotel a few blocks away uh, into that scene. And uh, you read about Clapton's life, really a pretty interesting life of what he went through, even as a youngster. And uh, reflected in some of uh, his choices in life. Uh, and um, uh, Clapton took about the next year and basically became a recluse. And then out of that time and that period came the song, Tears in Heaven. And if you don't know that song, uh, you can go YouTube it and even hear him talk about the story. When I understand the story behind that song, it's hard for me to hear that song without tearing up. And the same, folks, is true with the Psalms. When we can kind of get an idea of why someone wrote it, or maybe who wrote it, or when they wrote it, it illuminates, illuminates it for us and applies it better into our lives. For example, let me give you one that is pretty specific. We're not going to look at this Psalm today, but Psalm 51. Here's what the superscription reads. A Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had come into Bathsheba. The context of that song, psalm is a psalm written by a man who had committed adultery and then later became repentant of it. And you want to learn how to repent of sin, be it that sin or another, Psalm 51 is a go-to psalm, isn't it? And so the Psalms are a wealth for us to learn how to express ourselves to God. And so often, at least I know in my life, I did this for a long time, I would disassociate reading the scripture with prayer. I might read a chapter in the Bible in a quiet time, close my Bible up, and then go pray and basically pray about things that had nothing to do with what I had just read. 
Now, you can't get away with that anywhere else in life. If uh, your boss comes to you and asks you about a work project, and you said, hey, did you see the game on TV last night? You might lose your job. He's talking about a project for work, and you're talking about sports. If uh, you come home and uh, talk to your spouse, hey, how was your day? And she starts talking back to you, and then you divert over to something else and don't even pay attention, uh, it might not be a great evening at home. And so praying scripture is when we listen to what God says and see what God says, and then express ourselves as a result of that. Uh, I, I like the Seinfeld, the TV show. How many were Seinfeld watchers? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. That went off the air in 1999. How many kind of don't even know what Seinfeld is anymore? Anybody? Some of you don't even I don't got a clue. Well, if you know the characters and some of the plot lines of Seinfeld, one of my favorite little scenes is when George is sitting in a car with a gal that he's been dating. And he turns, he, he, they're both kind of looking forward, and he says, uh, says the girl's name, says, I love you. Kind of a big step to say I love you. Here's her response. I'm hungry. You want to get something to eat? <laughs> and sometimes we do that with God. We read something in the Bible, like maybe uh, 1 Corinthians 13 on love, or Hebrews 11, a whole chapter on faith, and then when we get done reading that chapter, we say, hey, Lord, you know, I, I need to buy a new car. Can you kind of help me find the right one? And uh, we disconnect ourselves. Well, Psalms, folks, uh, helps us make that connection. And so the, the, the big idea of what we're talking about this morning is that when I pray over Scripture and when I pray Scripture, it directs us to the heart of God. That's when I'll be connected and close to my Lord and my Savior. And so the psalm, <coughs> excuse me, the psalm that we take a look at this morning is Psalm 141. And if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, and you'll note there's a little superscription there in Psalm 141. It says a psalm of David. Uh, that's all it says. So we presume David is the author uh, sometimes some people think, well, maybe he wasn't the author, but he collected them and it was part of his collection. Uh, I tend to think this one is a psalm that David wrote. We really don't know when. However, look at Psalm 142. We'll not look at that psalm today, but uh, look at the superscription that's found there. It says, a masculine of David when he, was, uh, when, when he was in the cave, a prayer. And so we know that Psalm 142 was written when David was in a cave. There are two or three instances in the historical books of the Old Testament that tell us times when David was in a cave. And some think Psalm 41 may be part of that same time period and that same situation. One of my favorite stories of David being in a cave, and you can go read it, is when Saul was chasing after him to kill him. And Saul and his armies were trying to track down David and kill him. And so David is hiding out in a cave. And I'll be very delicate here about how we describe this, but Saul goes into that cave 
to use the restroom. And he's in that cave, and David's there in the cave. David's hiding further back. Saul comes in, is there, and uh, David could have killed him right then and there. You ever uh, been in that spot? I can get even right now. David could have done it. But David instead just snuck up quietly, cut off a piece of Saul's robe, and let Saul go on his way. And then later, uh, David lets Saul see that piece of robe to say, I'm not in the place of God. I'm going to let God resolve things with my enemies the way he wants to. And so that may be, we're not certain, but that may be the setting uh, when we come to Psalm 141. And what I want to do in the few moments remaining is really just highlight four things that uh, David prays about. And really four things that you and I, as we read a Psalm 141, we can pray that exact, those exact same things. We could even use the exact same words that David uses in the Psalm. Uh, I think it may be more appropriate to take the thoughts of David in the Psalm that, that we'll see in these four areas and, and reshape them in our own words to our own situation. But here are the four things that David prayed over in Psalm 141. And in your notes and probably on the screen, uh, we'll have uh, little statements. I'm going to boil all four down to one word. And so if you just want to write four words down in your notes, uh, these would be great four words, I think, to put down. So here's the first one. In verses 1 and 2, here's how David begins this prayer. Oh, Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And so the statement that we kind of use for this part of the uh, psalm is uh, to pray for God to hear and be near you. And I'm going to summarize it with one word, and that's the word presence. Our prayers, our interaction with God in Scripture ought to be to come into his presence and to sense his presence with us as we are in the word of God and in prayer uh, with him. And so the idea here of presence. Now, I note this. Did you see the phrase he says right at the beginning? Hasten to me, come to me, meet with me is what he's saying. And I, I learned from that <clears throat> that uh, there are times when we can feel distant from God. It's not uncommon. You ever feel that way? Man, where is God? I don't sense his presence in my life right now. There are perhaps a number of reasons for that. Uh, sometimes it may be sin or disobedience in our life. And that's a time of confession. Uh, we read... Um, in Psalm uh, 69, or uh, Psalm 66, uh, if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not listen to me. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Sometimes distractions. You know, it's pretty hard to sense God's presence and to be intimate in a relationship with him if I got the TV on. Or if I'm thinking about a whole lot of other stuff. 
And so to have that quiet time to be alone with him uh, in his presence. Sometimes uh, trials uh, can uh, distract us and cause us, where's God right now? Man, things, I'm going through a tough time. I don't see the answer coming. Sometimes victories can do the same thing, can't they? Something goes really well, and all of a sudden, kind of God is forgotten. Um, a lack of fellowship. Sometimes we just don't take the time to be with God. And one of the things that we learned, and it was such a wonderful practice that we need to make sure is part of our lives as a habit, is to get that quiet time alone with God, where I hear from his word what he wants to say to me, and I can respond back from my heart in prayer. And so, note what David prays. Hasten to me. Lord, I, I need you here. I got to spend time with you. Uh, I note this too uh, in the idea of presence, God's presence, is that <clears throat> David's focus was not on getting something from God, but his focus was on being with God. How important that is for us, just to be with him and not always wanting something from him. Uh, I have, uh, my wife and I are privileged to have three kids, and now we have three grandchildren. When our kids were young and uh, the ages of our grandchildren now, there's nothing better than to have uh, one of them little uh, grandchildren or when our kids were little, just come up and sit on your lap, is there? And they don't have to do a thing. And I don't have to do a thing for them, but just to be there together. And that idea of presence with God is so vital to us. <coughs> and then I note this. Uh, you'll note at the end of that passage that we read, he says it was the evening sacrifice. For them, that probably meant about 3 p.m., 3 in the afternoon. But keep in mind, their day, uh, the Jewish day, ended at 6 p.m. So toward the end of their day, there was a little reflection of, God, I want to spend some time with you here. Uh, how important is that for us? The beginning of the day, the end of the day, to find some time in the word, in prayer, to be with our Lord. Uh, so the first thing that we learn, and we can pray this. We can use these exact same words or words of our own. God, I want your presence here in my life. Here's the second thing that David prayed. <laughs> Verses 3 through the beginning of verse 5. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Uh, do not let my heart incline to any evil. Uh, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company uh, with men who work iniquity. And let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. Uh, it is a kindness. Let, let him rebuke me. Uh, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Three things that David prayed for in that little section. The big picture is he prayed for protection. He not only prayed for God's presence, but he prayed that God would protect him. And know what he prayed for? That God would protect him from who? Himself. He said, Lord, protect me from what might come out of my lips. How about that? Lord, don't let me do things that will hurt me. And so he prays for protection for himself, from himself. 
Uh, he prays about his communication, what he says, what comes forth from the lips of his mouth. Boy, words can hurt, can't they? Or words can heal. Uh, words leave a lasting impact one way or another. And we remember things said to us years ago uh, that either built us up or tore us down. And so be mindful uh, and pray, Lord, protect me. Let my words be like the words of Christ. He also prayed about the company he kept. He said, the, the people I hang out with, Lord, I want to pray about that. I want to be hanging out with the right people. How important is that for us to pray? Uh, pray for our kids. Lord, give my kids the right type of friends. Help them to hang with the right group. And so to pray for the people that we hang out with. And then he prayed about his own conduct in life. And note what he said. The last little part of this paragraph uh, could be a little hard. Let a righteous man strike me. He probably wasn't talking there about a physical strike. But he said, you know, I want people in my life that will come alongside of me and say some things that may hurt me, but may be helpful for me. That's what he was saying there. It's like oil. Doesn't feel good at the time, but man, it can help my life be a whole lot more like what Christ wants it to be. And so we pray for our own protection, prayed for God's presence, prayed for protection basically from himself. And now uh, look at the third one, the end of verse five through verse seven. He says this, yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. Some translations will say evil doers even. Um, when their judges are thrown over the cliff, uh, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. What was he praying for here? Uh, we'll use this word, the word perseverance. He was saying, you know, I know in this life there's going to be a lot of opposition, Things will not always go my way. There will be those who are opposed to my faith in Christ. But Lord, when those people come and bring their judgments and uh, bring their uh, evil, I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to be sidetracked. I'm going to let him who began a good work in me complete it. And he even says that when the day comes of judgment for them, and the phrase he uses is when they're thrown off a cliff, when their day of judgment comes, you know what? Then all the things that I prayed and thought and read in the word of God and believed and shared, I'll see that they were right. They were pleasant. And so he prays for perseverance. And then the final part of what he prays for here, uh, down in verse number uh, eight, he says, uh, but my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord, uh, in you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the stairs of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Here's the final uh, word I'll give you, uh, is the word peace. Or we see in the scripture the word safety. He said, Lord, give me peace, give me safety. Give me a, a confidence that even though things may be tough at times in life, I know you're there. And so here's just one example of 150 Psalms that you and I can take and pray over and say, Lord, you know, I want to have that relationship with you. I want to read what you say to me, but then I want to learn and, and be intimate about expressing 
my thoughts and my heart back to you. And that practice of praying scripture, praying in response to scripture, praying over scripture is something that for every one of us can make that walk with Christ the more intimate. One final thought. The last one we looked at there, uh, to pray for peace. Uh, two types of peace that uh, you ought to be concerned about. Uh, one is peace in this life. And my experience is that those who know Christ can find a lasting peace even through the most difficult of times. And I hope you have that. The other type of peace that really becomes before the one I just mentioned is peace with God through Christ for eternity. And that peace only comes from embracing Christ as the Savior who died on the cross for your sins and then rose victoriously from the dead. And I, I would not be doing what I need to do and want to do if I didn't say to you today, and I don't know all of you here, if you don't yet have that relationship with Christ and that peace with God for eternity, uh, that's the greatest and most important decision you need to look at today. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, in high school, I got invited to a Bible study, and uh, I knew nothing about the Bible, nothing. Uh, I didn't own a Bible, and I uh, bought a Bible that night on the way to a Bible study, and uh, went there. Uh, the guy said, turn to John 1, 12. I didn't even know how to find verses in the Bible. And so they showed me, and over the course of that study and days that followed, they gave me a lot of things to read. And there is a sophomore at uh, Bloomfield Hills High School. Uh, I came to understand who Christ was and, and that I was a sinner, could not save myself, but that Christ had died on the cross for my sins. And in my bedroom one night, I invited Christ into my life. That's where peace with God for eternity began for me. And I hope you can identify that beginning point in your life as well. If you can't, uh, as we pray here in a moment, you in the quietness of your own heart can invite Christ into your life. If you have a question, want to talk to someone, I'll be here, others will be around afterwards as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for the word of God and that uh, it's from you. Every word in there, every psalm, every chapter is what you desire for us to have, to read, to know, uh, to understand and to contemplate. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, we might be men and women and young people who uh, have a relationship with you, reading what you say to us and responding back to you in prayer as we see in the Psalms and in the one we looked at in particular today. And Father, uh, the most important decision that any one of us can contemplate and need to be sure of is peace with you through Jesus Christ. He, it says in the Bible, he came to bring peace. And so I pray that everyone here either has or will receive the, the peace that Jesus Christ offers. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.